0: Today we have uh, the privilege of having a guest speaker that's somewhat related to us, Pastor Lee Cummings, pastors a great church in Kalamazoo, Michigan area called Radiant Church. If you haven't ever heard of it or seen it, look for them online, Radiant Church in Kalamazoo, Michigan. And uh, his church he planted just 20 years ago, has grown to several thousand people. But Lee and I were very close friends since fourth grade. And uh, just uh, an amazing story, parallel universes. He's a tremendous encouragement to me, and he's got a word for our church. Would you give it up this morning for Pastor Lee Cummings? Come on, give it up for your pastor this morning. What an incredible man of God. Jody, what a dynamic team that they are. Jane, my wife uh, is with me. She hates it when I like make her stand up, so I won't say anything, but can we just give Jane a great big hand? And... Jane and Jody uh, love spending time together about as much as Nate and I do. And uh, Nate's right, we met on the soccer field in fourth grade. He was the new kid in the school. I thought I was gonna put him in his place and he put me in my place and beat me up with his moon boots. And uh, (laughs) then I showed up at uh, Mr. and Mrs. Roosh's house on accident. Uh, I didn't realize that they were our new Cub Scout leaders. And uh, so I showed up at their house and here's this big ornery kid that beat me up on the soccer field and we had to get along. And I had no idea that that was going to be a lifelong friendship, uh, but it has. And how many know that there are just divine connections that God puts into your life that he knows you're going to need throughout all the days of your life. And I just honor Nate and Jody because they have been that to us. And Nate's been uh, a gift from God to me, not just now in ministry, but for many, many years. And And uh, this is, I've I've been here a few times and I love Emmanuel Christian Center. You guys are some of the friendliest people on the planet. Feel uh, so at home whenever we get to be here and your worship's incredible. God just on the move in this place. And if you guys weren't Vikings fans, I might think about moving here someday, but I'm a Lions fan, so you know I'm a man of faith. (laughs) Cause we're still, we know one of the signs of the times will be if the Lions ever make it to the Super Bowl. If that ever happens, look up your redemption draweth nigh. So it's great to be here. I feel like I have a word from the Lord, not only for Emmanuel, but really for, uh, I started as a word, I believe of encouragement from God to me. Uh, Several months back, I preached it to my church. And when I was preaching it to my church, sometimes as a preacher, God will put, he'll put oil on a message and for me, sometimes he'll just mark it and say, this is a message I want you to take to other places because it's a, it's a word for the body of Christ. And I feel like this morning, that's what I have for you. So if you have your Bible, open it with me this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. title of my message this morning is Steadfast and Immovable. Steadfast and Immovable. We're gonna read one verse this morning to start. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse number 58. It says this, therefore my beloved brethren be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not vain in the Lord. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit today we pray that you would come, we know you're here but want you to come in a way that you open up the eyes of our heart and open up the ears of our soul to hear you, to see what you're doing and to hear what you're speaking to us as the church. We thank you for your word that is alive. It is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. In Jesus name, amen. Steadfast and immovable. Therefore, beloved brethren, be steadfast and immovable. These two words have been resonating on the inside of me for months. Be steadfast and immovable. And and I think one of the reasons why they've been resonating on the inside of me is because I, like a lot of you, have seen what is going on in the world that we live in. Whether you're here uh, as part of Emmanuel Christian Center in this campus, or whether you're at Maple Grove, or whether you're in Kalamazoo, Michigan, or whether you're on the other side of the planet, It doesn't matter if if you have any level of discernment, you like me may have felt like the wind has gotten knocked out of you to some degree, almost as if you can't keep up with the pace of the change and the cultural shifting that is taking place around us all the time. It's accelerating, it's happening at an unprecedented pace. It's like the tectonic plates of our culture and our world underneath our feet are shifting Uh, at a a way that is creating instability. It's creating instability in our political arena. Uh, It's creating instability nation to nation. It's an instability globally right now of ethnic group against ethnic group. And all, all bets are off. All things are up in the air. Things have just been shifting. And In fact, you know what's interesting is about 150 years ago, social scientists told us that if we could just get better education, if we could just break down the barriers of transportation and communication, we would all realize how much we are all the same. We could create a secular utopia. We wouldn't need God anymore. And uh, here we are 150 plus years later after that kind of rhetoric and we can, listen, we can get anywhere on the planet in less than 24 hours. We can communicate with anybody through translation applications. We have more people on the planet right now alive at the same time than all of the people from 1900 back to the beginning. If you add all the, all, from Adam and Eve all the way up to the year 1900 that have ever lived and died, there are more people right now alive on the planet at the same time. We have more money, we have more resources, we have instant communication. We have education and yet all the dividing lines that have been there from the beginning of creation are like these plates that have separated and we're more separated, more divided, more unstable, more shaken than we have ever been before. And yet in the midst of that, the word of God says to you and I, be steadfast and immovable. What does it mean to be steadfast and immovable? In the middle of a world where everything's shaken. Well, when I think of those two words, steadfast and immovable, immediately uh, what comes to mind for me is a game that I taught my kids to play when they were real little. It was a, it was a, a game that my dad had taught me. And for me, my dad was larger than life. He was very athletic, very sp- sports driven. Uh, he, I, I never beat my dad at anything. We'd play pool, he'd beat me at pool. Play basketball, he'd beat me at basketball. He's just good at every game. And my dad had a couple little tricks, little magic tricks he would do. And then he had this game called the smack game. It's not what you think. It's not that kind of smack, but here, here was the game. And I taught it to my kids. You stand toe to toe with somebody and you have your hands up at shoulder height and you either try and fake each other out or smack the other person's hands to knock them back or you trick them and pull them into you. And the first person who moves a foot loses. How many have ever played that game? Anybody ever? Okay, a bunch of you. Well, my kids were fascinated with that game. When they were little, I thought, if I can't beat my dad, I'm going to have some kids that I can beat. <laughs> and we had three kids. We had two girls, a boy sandwich right in the middle. And uh, in fact, in about two weeks, our youngest is graduating high school. She's going to college in Florida. And Jane and I are going to be empty nesters. Come on, somebody. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I love my kids, but I'm looking forward to being able to get a cup of coffee in my boxers and not, not worry about anything going on. So, so I'm kind of looking forward to it. But when my kids were real little, I taught them this game, brought them into the kitchen, said, so, all right, here's the game. Stand toe to toe and get your hands up. You gotta keep your hands up, all right? Now, you know, I'd do this and knock them off balance. Little girls, you just kind of give them a little nudge and you're just like, daddy, and your heart melts. You're just like, oh yeah, all right. And, and then they would try and push you and you'd look like you were wobbling off balance, but you really weren't. My kids could never beat me. And then sandwiched in the middle though is my son, Jared. And Jared as a little boy, he's competitive. And so he would try every day. He's like, dad, let's play it. He had a raspy voice even as a little kid. I'm like, all right, yeah, let's play. And he would try, try, try. And I would be like, oh, grasshopper, when you snatch pebble from hand, then you will be man. But he, he could never beat me. It was like, I was a Jedi Knight. And he was like, dad, how do you do that? I'm just like, it's all in the hands. And so, put his hands on, I'd smack him backwards and he'd go. And then he would like lean in and I'd like, look like I was gonna come in on him and then I'd back up and he'd fall into me. It's awesome. And I'd beat him every single time. My kids thought I was invincible. One day, my little boy grew up to be a young man and he walks into the kitchen one day and he says, out of the blue, we hadn't played it in a couple years. And he goes, dad, let's play smack. Except he said it like this Dad, let's play smack. <laughs> My son is six foot six, 260 pounds. And I said, Hey, I'm undefeated. He says, Come on, old man. I'm like, oh, now it's game on. So we stand toe to toe with this size 15 Nike. And his hands are up here because he's six foot six. And I'm like, you're gonna have to lower the bar, son. (laughs) Brings his hands down. He looks at me and we go back and forth. All of a sudden I go in for the kill and he just has his hands like this. And what used to be easy to knock him off balance, all of a sudden I hit a brick wall and he (laughs) threw me across the room. And I saw a look in my son's eyes that I've never ever seen before. It was like, he saw blood, he's like, He's human. And I can beat him. He's like, let's do it again. I'm like, it's done. It's over. Contest is over. You win. He's never been the same. Now he loves to brag about it. But when I think about being steadfast and immovable, as disciples of Jesus Christ, living in a culture, living in a world that is stirring anxiety and fear, it's stirring hatred and divide. The media agencies around us are feeding that frenzy. What does it look like for you and I to be steadfast and immovable disciples of Jesus Christ, living in the midst of a culture that's the antithesis of the kingdom that, that you and I are a part of? What does that look like? And is it possible for you and I to be steadfast, faithful, and Immovable, to become something that when pressure is applied against us, when force is applied against us, when persecution is applied against us, when the winds of the spirit of the age blow against us, that we can become immovable. I think it requires us as the church to be like the sons of Issachar in First Chronicles seven or chapter twelve, where it says the sons of Issachar were men who understood the times and they knew how Israel ought to respond. I think that's what it means for us, that it requires us to know the times that we live in, like Romans 13 says, that it's more urgent because the hour is late and time is running out and it's time for us to wake up. See, we've gotta realize the days that we live in, and instead of crying, the sky is falling, instead of thinking that it's all over, we've got to remember, and this is what Paul is calling us to remember, that our labor is not in vain and he's calling us to abound in that very work. It's time for us to have an attitude shift. It's time for us to win the day. The way that we win the day, the way that you and I are called to be steadfast and immovable, is it's just like the the game of smack. There are two rules to the game of smack. Number one, you have to know when to lean in and number two, you have to know when to lean back. If you master those two things, you'll win the game. And I believe that the answer to being steadfast and immovable is found in these two things. It's knowing when to lean in, and it's knowing when to lean back. If we'll do those things, then we will be steadfast and immovable. See, I believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking to the church. I believe he's speaking to us here today. I believe that he's speaking to us, through us, uh, speaking to us through his word on a constant basis, but it's up to us to hear what he is saying. So the question is, is it possible to live a steadfast and immovable life? And I believe that it absolutely is. But first you've gotta learn when to lean in. What does it mean to lean in? You're playing the game, it's throwing your force forward. But for you and I today, living in the new America, It requires us leaning in, but not leaning in to hear the voice of the age, because there are more voices at work today than there were yesterday. There are more voices on the news media. How many know that we live in a 24-hour news cycle? When I grew up, there was news on in the morning and there was news on at night. I lived in a day where if you wanted to change the channel on your TV, you actually had to get up and walk to the TV. All you millennials in the room are like, whoa, why would you do that? Why don't you use the remote? It's because we didn't have remotes. We had UHF and VHF. Get up and you actually had to click it. Remember that click, 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 click to zero. And then click, click, click to 20, 25, 35, 41. Antennas with aluminum foil on top of them. Come on, get that signal, baby. Come on, hold it, hold it. If you had a sister with big bangs from the eighties, you were like, hey, go stand next to the TV. We can pick up Chinese television stations. (laughs) Sorry, don't hate. (laughs) But when I grew up, the TV actually, the voices went off at around midnight. They would show the, the monument of Iwo Jima with the flag and it would say that concludes today's television broadcast. And the screen would go to static. The screen doesn't stop, church. Every day, 24 hours a day, 400 stations, we have voices telling us what to think, telling us what's going on in the world, stirring anxiety, stirring stirring racial divides, stirring political divides, stirring ethnic divides, telling us all the worst possible things that we could possibly hear over and over and over. And if we ever dare turn the TV off, they hit us on our phone on Twitter, they hit us on Facebook. Everybody now who has an opinion has a platform. And it's all around us. And if we're not careful, it can create anxiety and worry and stress, and it can, it can swerve our allegiance to things that we're not called to be allegiant to. So what does it mean to lean in? It means not to lean into those things, but it means to lean in to the one that the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, we're to keep our eyes upon, who, because Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. Therefore, set your eyes on Jesus. See, here's what I know, is whatever we behold is what we become. Whatever we behold, when we behold Jesus, When we put our focus on Jesus, we put our focus on the Jesus way, when we listen to the Jesus message, when we spend time with Jesus, when we're listening to the voice of Jesus, more than we're listening to the voice of Zuckerberg or listening to the voice of Maroon 5 or listening to the voice of C-SPAN or ESPN or any of the other stations that are out there, when we're listening to Jesus, we become like what we behold. But we gotta lean in. We gotta lean in. When we lean in, we hear what the Spirit is saying. But you see, the enemy's tactic is to throw you off balance. That's how you lose the game of smack is by getting your focus off and losing your balance because you've become distracted. Distraction is one of the enemy's greatest tools in a believer's life. It gets you distracted on all the wrong things. I think election times are one of the worst times for believers to get distracted. And I'm not here waving anybody's banner. Somebody asked me, are you an elephant or a donkey? I'm a lamb because there's only, I'm a, I'm a theocrat. I believe in Jesus. Jesus is King. I'm loyal to a lamb. And we live in a culture that wants to stir us and to divide us, but it's time for us to lean in and not allow the distractions of our culture to get our focus, listen, off of our eternal work as the church, off of the work that we're called. And if the enemy can't distract us, then he'll deceive us and get us convinced that our work is already done, that we've done everything and that it's over, that things are too bad, things are too dark, and we might just... Might as well just pack up our bags and wait for Jesus to come back but I don't believe in that. I believe that the work has just begun Amen. it's not I, I heard somebody the other day and by the way pastors get mad too I, I was I was listening to somebody on a on a television Christian interview program basically saying that america's our best days are behind it, that we're a post-Christian nation, that millennials don't care about the gospel, that we're too sophisticated, too scientific, that uh, we are secular humanistic and and the the church just needs to move out of the way, take our place in the margins and wait for the rapture of the church. And that made me mad. Because Jesus didn't, didn't call us to the closet, he called us to the hilltop. He said, you're a city on a hill to shine brightly for all the world to see. And Jesus didn't say this, except for 21st century North America, then it's really too bad. That's way more powerful than my gospel. Last time I checked, the Bible says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Nate, you made a mistake giving me a microphone tonight today. See, we get distracted, we get deceived. David wrote though in Psalm 62 verse one, for God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I will not be shaken. You see, the devil wants the church to be shaken. He wants you to be shaken. Because when you're shaken and you're motivated by fear, you get paralyzed, you run, you get into a self-protective mode, you, you isolate, and you begin to think about you know just hunkering down, and you're not focused on the work of the Lord. You're not abounding in the work of the Lord because you think it's all over. I want you to know today, I don't think it's over. I think it's just begun. I think the church's best days are still ahead of us. I think God has marked on a calendar a great awakening for North America. I think our churches are gonna be overflowing with people, I don't think there's gonna be a spot in this sanctuary that's available. The days are coming where there are gonna be lines waiting outside of these doors of people that are hungry and thirsty for what God is doing in this house. Come on, somebody, if you believe that, put your hands together this morning. See, Satan wants the church to be shaken, but God wants the church to be stirred. He wants us to be stirred. 2 Timothy 1 says, I remind you to stir up the gift of God. Fan into flame. I think that if if we were to listen closely to the voice of the Holy Spirit this morning, we would hear him say, stir it up. Stir it up. Stir up a passion for Jesus. Stir Stir up a love for your neighbor. Stir up a passion in worship. You see, there's something There's something in the DNA and the genetic code of the church that Jesus has built. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The only heaven guaranteed institution on the face of the earth that the creator himself said hell cannot defeat is the thing that you and I are a part of today. It's the thing that we're building today. It's the thing that, you know, this whole hello possible campaign that you're a part of. When we lean into that, when we throw our heart into that, we're, we're abounding in the work of the Lord. But listen, if we believe the lie of the enemy, that what we're doing doesn't matter, that it's our best days are behind us, then we'll give up hope. We'll get deceived. We'll get distracted but the best days are out in front of us. Jesus said that the the gates of hell could not prevail. I believe that the church was made for difficult times. We weren't made just for, for ease and comfort. When you look through 2000 years of church history, you find at the times when the church was the most persecuted and the most pressured is the time it was the most powerful. Because sometimes what we suffer from in America is passion deficiency syndrome. We get the disease of apathy because our muscles have atrophy because we haven't had to depend on that. We haven't had to lean in as much as maybe other times believers have had. If you take an astronaut and you send him up into space and leave him up on the International Space Station for a year, when he comes back, he has to rebuild his muscles because in zero gravity, your muscles atrophy. And I think sometimes, in the past, we've lived in a snow globe of North America where it's kind of like everybody believes in the Bible. Everybody, go to, everybody goes to church. Everybody's a Christian if they're anything. If they're religious, they're a Christian. You go into a hotel and they got a copy of this in the drawer. Everybody on television kind of has this main worldview. And it's almost like a zero gravity environment that we kind of grew up in to where our spiritual muscles atrophied. But now what's happening is there's pressure being applied. And instead of fearing, The pressure, listen, realize that pressure makes you stronger. And the pressure that is being applied is going to refine our faith and bring it to the surface and prepare the church to be the most powerful church that this generation has ever seen. So you got to know when to lean in and you also know, have to know when to lean back. That's the best trick in the book when you're playing the smack game. Just let them them come in for the kill and then pull back. And they fall all over themselves. The Christian that will be steadfast and immovable is the believer that knows when to lean back, knowing, listen, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What does it mean? What does it mean to lean back? Well, it means to lean back under the promises of God. Leaning There's an old song, leaning on the everlasting arms, leaning back into the arms of the one that we trust, leaning back onto the promises that God has made for us. The enemy's tactic of discouragement will come and say, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really work. Why in the world would you add on to your church? Why in the world would you multiply campuses? Why in the world would you partner in building a church planning training center in the Middle East? Why in the world would you renovate the children's ministry classrooms? Haven't you read the statistics? The statistics that say young people when they grow up aren't gonna go to church. Kids aren't interested in Christianity. They've got all kinds of other options. They don't need that anymore. Come on, don't, you don't, don't waste your time. Don't waste your money. But when we lean back, we lean back on the promises of God that say, if you train up a child in the way he should go when he's old, he will not depart from it. We lean back on the promises. Lean back on the promises that said that these blessings shall be upon you and to a thousand generations, upon you and upon your children and upon your children's children. The promise of the Holy Spirit is a promise made to you and to the third and fourth generation. We lean back on the promises of Joel 2, where God says, In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall dream dreams and have visions. We lean back on the promises of God, and it stirs us to believe that what we're doing is making a difference. You see, we're sitting here today in a building in the midst of a congregation that's decades old. Many of you in this room, you've been here for a long time. And some of you, you've come along just in the last couple of years. But you don't realize that when you sat down this morning, you sat down on somebody else's faith. See, once upon a time, there was a man who heard from God to plant a church to reach a city. And he prayed and he preached and he prayed and he preached and he prayed and he preached. And he stood before a handful of people and then a few hundred other people. And he said, we need to build a building so that more people can come. And now we're sitting, literally, we're sitting in a building on pews that a generation ago, somebody believed in what they couldn't see because they believed that the work that they were about to invest in mattered. And you showed up this morning and you have a place at the table because of somebody else's faith in the abounding work of the Lord. And now here's what I know. Listen here's what I know is there are thousands who you've never even met who you may never even meet but heaven knows by name who are going to show up here five ten fifteen years from now should the Lord tarry and are going to have a place at the table because of your faith today and because of your faithfulness because of your steadfast commitment to the Lord today in Luke chapter five there's this There's a story in Luke 5 about how Jesus called Peter into the ministry. Peter was a fisherman. In the Sea of Galilee, all of his life, this is what he had done. And in Luke chapter 5, we see that on this particular day, this morning, Peter had fished all night long and was unsuccessful. He didn't catch anything. Jesus showed up in Luke five and came to Simon and Simon, who's washing his nets and pulled his boat up onto shore, probably just wants to go home, take a nap, get some food, start over, forget last night. Jesus shows up and the Bible says that he stepped into Peter's boat. And he said, Peter, will you put out from the land just a little ways? And Peter said, yes, Lord. So, Jesus stepped into Peter's boat. Peter pushed the boat out from shore a little ways and Peter preached to the masses. Peter probably thought that was all that he needed to do. That's it, are we done? Is that it? 15-minute church service, all right, we're good. But Jesus turned to Peter with those eyes and he looked past Peter's failures, past Peter's fears, straight to the core of Peter's potential. And he said, Peter launch out into the deep for a catch. And I love Peter's response. Verse five, Simon says to him, Master, translation, which means you're a preacher, I'm a fisherman, stay in your own lane, please. Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Imagine being Peter. I mean, Jesus is in your boat and he turns to you and he says, all right, you've done step one. Now I want you to row the boat out into the middle of the lake, the scene of last night's failure. And I want you to let down the nets for a catch. And it would have been easy for Peter to say, you know what? You don't know anything about fishing. I know where the fish are, when they are, how they bite, when they bite. This is the worst time of day. You don't know where the fish congregate in the lake. It's a huge lake, 13 miles long, five and a half feet across. There's no reason how how you as a preacher would know where the fish are. This is a waste of time. This isn't gonna work. If it didn't work last night, it won't work today. But Simon didn't say that. Simon said, nevertheless, at your word. See, sometimes we need to lean back into God's word. Say, my experience says one thing, but God's word says something else. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the nets. So he, listen, Peter launches out of the deep. He puts down the nets. And if he's anything like me, he's probably thinking in his mind, let's get this over with quick and pull, I'm gonna pull the nets up and say, see, it didn't work again, just like I told you. But as he tugs on the rope, on the nets, he realizes he can't pull up the fish come on, I need a little help here. Pull up the fish. It says that the boat began to sink. That's a catch. So much so that he had to call his neighbor over and say, bring your boat over here. And they filled up his boat and his boat began to sink. He looks at Jesus and he says, depart from me because I'm a wicked man. I'm a wicked man. Let me just tell you that Sometimes in serving the Lord, seeing what's going on around us, we can become discouraged. You've got a son or a daughter who's far away from the Lord, doesn't seem to be responding to how you train them up. Just, sometimes you just want to say, God, why did this happen? Sometimes you look at your checkbook ledger You say, God, you said that if I tithed, you'd open up the windows of heaven and you'd pour out a blessing. And yet I don't even have enough to pay my bills. I don't know if I can keep going on like this. Sometimes you pray prayers year after year, week after week, day after day, hour after hour. And it seems like some of them, it's just like the heavens are steel. Your prayers are just bouncing back at you. It's easy to become discouraged. You go round and round that mountain with the same sin issue. It's like, Lord, when are you going to deliver me from this? It's easy to become discouraged. It's easy to want to fold up your nets and just go home. It's easy to be shaken and to be moved. But the words of Peter ring out to all of us, nevertheless, nevertheless, in spite of all that, nevertheless, at your word, Jesus, I'm leaning back into you. Nevertheless, in spite of what I've seen, listen, in spite of all the unanswered prayers, God, I'm gonna pray big, audacious, beyond me prayers, nevertheless. Nevertheless, I'm gonna honor you with my tithe because I've been young and I've been old and I've never seen the the Lord's forsaken or his seed begging bread, nevertheless. Nevertheless, I'm gonna love my neighbor even when they don't love me back. Nevertheless, I may have invited that person to church 15, 20 times and they've said no every time, but I'm not giving up because I believe God's got a call on their life. Amen. Nevertheless, nevertheless, it may look like our culture's going to hell in a handbasket, but I'm gonna pray that heaven comes down and moves in our generation. <laughs> nevertheless, I will let down the nets. You see, listen, we are in divine partnership with the Lord. We are people that believe that God is able to bring eternal life out of hopeless tombs. We are people of the resurrection. A couple years ago on the shores of Libya, dressed in orange jumpsuits, ISIS marched. I don't know how many, 20 something Ethiopian Christians along the shores and they filmed it and they made them get down on their knees. And these men were beheaded in front of an, an audience around the globe by video for one reason and for one reason only, because of the name of Jesus. But you know why they were able to do that? It's because they were steadfast and immovable, believing that even beyond what they do on this planet, their life mattered. Their faith mattered that God was faithful. And listen, when they were on that beach, you and I were on that beach because we're part of the same family. The name of Jesus is stronger than any weapon that hell can conjure. The name of Jesus is stronger than any intimidation factor. The name of Jesus is stronger than any disease that can be formed against you. The name of Jesus is stronger than whatever the news media wants to portray. Jesus is stronger. We are people of the resurrection and we are people marked by hope. And we are called to be steadfast and immovable. Steadfast and immovable. Stand to your feet with me this morning, if you would, all over this room. Steadfast in your faith. I believe this morning, somebody just needs to know, they need to be encouraged. Don't quit your praying. Don't stop praying. God's hearing your prayers. You see, we may never know on this side of eternity how much our life really mattered. I believe right now, I believe, church, I believe this sincerely. I believe that right now, like Hebrews says, that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. I believe that generations of believers before us are leaning over the banisters of heaven, watching this moment in human history. And they see our generation and they're cheering us on, going, come on, come on, finish strong. What you see is not real, it's temporal. What you don't see is eternal. We walk by faith and not by sight. Come on, don't give up. Don't be fooled. Don't be knocked off balance. Don't swerve from the truth. Don't be discouraged in your faith. Come on, finish strong. I believe that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. I believe that someday when we step through the gates of heaven, God is going to introduce us to the thousands of people from our city and beyond that are in heaven because of our faithful prayers and our faithful giving and our faithful service. Greeters at the doors, you don't you may Think to yourself, what I do really doesn't matter. I'm just shaking somebody's hand, but you don't know somebody's gonna be in heaven someday and say, I felt welcome at Emmanuel Christian Center because somebody opened the door and made a way for me to experience God. You may never know. You may never know on this side of eternity, but let me tell you something this morning, God keeps good records. This morning, I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to call us to be To make a, a, to draw a line in the sand, a mark of delineation to say, I may not be on the beach of North Africa, but I want to be steadfast and immovable in my faith. I I don't want, I'm not going to be a protester. I'm going to be a promoter. I'm going to point people to Jesus. I'm going to love and not hate. I'm going to serve and I'm going to pray instead of criticize. And this morning, here's what I want to do all over. Nate gave me permission to do this. I feel like sometimes we need altar calls unto salvation, and sometimes we need altar calls unto setting our feet firmly and saying, from this day forward, I will be steadfast and immovable. I will not be discouraged. I will not be dissuaded. I will not be lied to. I will not be deceived. I will not be uh, isolated. I am going to be locked in steadfast and immovable. And if that's your heart, if today you want to make that decision, I want you to step out of your seat and make your way across the front of this beautiful sanctuary. And today we're going to pray and God's going to meet us at this altar. Come wherever you're at. If that's you, you're saved. You're on your way to heaven. But today you're making a stake in the ground saying, as for me and my life, I'm going to live steadfast and immovable. You just come, come from wherever you're at. We're gonna wait and we're gonna pray. God's gonna move in a powerful way this morning. Steadfast, faithful. Come on, what our world needs, our scared world needs, A.W. Tozier said this: what a scared world needs is a fearless church. A fearless church. Come on, if you if maybe anxiety has just ridden you and you need to, you need to get rid of anxiety and let the faith quotient of your heart rise, you just come. If there's been compromise in your life today, you're leaving it behind. You're saying today, I'm gonna be steadfast, you come. Look at this, all over the room, you're not alone. What can happen when God calls a church to critical mass? An atomic explosion of renewal and revival can happen. I believe that God's doing that in Emmanuel Christian Center. Come on, raise your hands up towards heaven all over this room. Father, in the name of Jesus, In the name of Jesus, we come and we put our feet on the solid ground of Jesus Christ, the rock of our salvation. And we say today, Lord, help us to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain. God, you have called us to be laborers in the harvest field. You've called us to go into the streets, into our community, into our city, and to see a move of God. Lord, we pray for young people in this church. God, we pray that you would spark a move of God among our young people. God, that there would be a renewal of prayer, a renewal of the presence of God. Lord, we pray right now that in every corner of this city, you would raise up prayer warriors, God. Raise up people that are servants that volunteer themselves in the day of your visitation. (coughs) Cause us to be solid and steadfast. Come on, just tell them right now. If you're down here in the front, just tell them, God, help me to be steadfast. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Cause me to be steadfast. Immovable. unshakable. Like David, Lord, we say we will never be shaken. The Lord is my rock and my salvation. Spirit of the living God, flow fresh upon us.